You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. So we want to talk this morning about Daniel. We're starting this series. I'm so excited about it. But we're going to start with his youth. And how many youth do we have here today? Now, how do you define youth? Some would define youth uh, 60 and under. Well, that would include me, okay? Okay. <laughs> Uh, You are as young as you feel, right? Uh, Not necessarily as young as you look. But how many of you are 20 and under? You're still kind of in that range. Okay, so we got some of you here today. Amen. So glad you could be with us. And those of you that couldn't raise your hand, well, um, yeah, some of you are just, you get there. Anyway. We want to look at Daniel 11.32, and we want to open up with this passage. And and let me just share this statement with you. Daniel is actually one of the few books that takes place during a period of judgment upon a foreign nation, or in a foreign nation, where there was judgment upon Israel. They were in captivity. It was a very dark time. It was a very difficult time. And if we even parallel it, to the days we live in today, it was much worse, much worse. And so Daniel lived under conditions that were very difficult, but yet he lived for God and he did great things. And so we look at this verse and we're, we're going to be looking at this in different ways this, uh, in the next few weeks here. Daniel 11.32, if you have it, I'm going to read it first of all from the, from God's word translation. And the second part of that reads, The people who know their God will be strong and take action. The people who know their God will be strong and take action. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to be able to minister the truth of your word. I thank you for those that have come today, whether they've been coming for many years, whether this is their first time visit. I pray, Father, that you minister truth in their hearts to reveal to them insight, to give them understanding, to help them discover, Father, the purpose that you've ordained for their lives. In Jesus' name, we commit this time to you. And, Father, we do lift up the Shelley Thomas family. We thank you, Father, for Shelley, Brianna, and her family. And we thank you for ministering comfort and strength. Father, we thank you for John and the life he lived, and, and we say farewell to him. And we just speak, speak uh, strength and peace over this family in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the life of Daniel portrays a timeless story of great faith, courage, and perseverance in the midst of changing times and a day of great evil. In fact, the underlining theme of Daniel is knowing God, knowing God in times of challenge, in times that are good, because sometimes when things are going well, we can forget about God because we don't really have a need for God in our lives because things are going well. It's when things get difficult that many times people turn to the Lord. But even when things are going good, we should stay strong. With the Lord. Amen. Don't turn away from him just because you don't think you need him as as much as you did when you were having a challenging time. Now, knowing God, I believe, is the real key to experiencing his presence and then experiencing his power to be at work in your life. 
And so knowing him is a key to so many things that can be set right that are wrong in our lives. Because this age that we're living in, there's so many things wrong. But God wants to make those wrong things right. There may be wrong things in your life that God wants to make right. And so and if there's things you know, you know what's wrong. And you don't even need somebody to point it out. You know in your heart of hearts that this is wrong, but you feel powerless and helpless to change or do something about it. Well, God can do something about it when you involve him, when you know him. See, Daniel's example is really a positive witness of a young man who honored God in a culture that dishonored him. And see, all of us, whether youth or adult, we're living in a culture where there's so much dishonor to the God of creation, but yet we can honor him in a culture that would dishonor him. And see, that's a resolve we need to make in our hearts and our lives. And see, throughout the life of Daniel, he remained committed to serve the purpose of God, even when it wasn't convenient even when it wasn't popular, even when it was difficult, even when he was cast into a lion's den. He remained faithful and true to his commitment to God. Uh, Daniel is one of those guys I uh, look at and I think, man, this guy was cool. He was great. I want to be like him. That's maybe why we named our oldest son Daniel. We thought maybe some of that would rub off on him. And and I believe it did. So... um, So expect to be encouraged, challenged, and built up uh, this month as we teach and explore the life of Daniel and minister on this subject. I want to share Daniel 11.32, the second part of that in the New King James Version. It says, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. When you think of an exploit, I mean, you think of an expedition, you think of doing something significant, you think about doing something that's going to make a difference, make a mark in somebody's life. And I believe that's what God wants to do through us. But the key is knowing God. If you know him, the consequence of knowing him will be that you will be strong. And the result of you being strong is you'll be able to carry out great exploits for him. You'll be able to take action when you need to take action. Because the problem in society today, people aren't standing up, they're not taking action when they need to take action. And that needs to change. When we look at Daniel as a youth, we realize that he was only 15 years old when he was taken captive and exiled into Babylon. He was only 17 years old when he interpreted Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon's dream. And that was a door of favor that opened up to him, that allowed him to have a prominent role in that foreign culture. Now, it seems to me, and, and, and Deb and I were talking about this yesterday, it seems to me that the youth of today uh, seem to forget that we were youth at one point in our life. <laughs> right? Uh, I was 15. Can you believe that? Yeah, a mom can believe that, right? I was 15 one time. I was a teenager. Can you imagine? Now this year, I have the privilege of turning 60. Oh, that's a little scary. You know, you think about that. 60? 
I mean, I thought those people should be in the grave when I was 15, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I, I'm at this point in life. But, you know, but I was a youth too. So sometimes the youth of our generation say, you can't really relate to us. Well, we were young once. And maybe we can't relate to you in a way you want us to relate to you, but we can relate to being youth and dealing with all those youth issues, okay? But the culture today is faced with so much more than I believe what I was faced with when I was 15 or when I was a youth. And it seems, um, actually, what's interesting about Daniel, because it starts out with him at the age of 15, but it's believed that he was 81 to 83 years old when he was in the lion's den. And that when he received the, uh, the prophetic word about the 70th weeks uh, that unveils the end time prophecies, he was probably 84. So he was kind of an old guy. And so I was encouraged. I said, well, there's a few more years that I have here. Okay. So uh, Daniel, he hung it out. He was in for the long haul. Um, in Psalms 37:25, and this is King David speaking, and and I, I actually now I read this and I have to say, well, this kind of fits for me. As a youth, I would read this and I'd say, oh, that's for the old people. But Psalms 37:25 says, "I have been young, and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread." See, David lived his life seeing the hand of God's provision, the hand of God's protection, God's hand upon his life from a youth. Because it was when he was a youth that he killed the giant. Wow. Youth can do great things. And see, we as a church need to recognize the youth and how can we empower them to do what God's called them to do. Because there's some Davids among us. There's some giant killers among us. There's some Jeremiah's among us. Jeremiah, his complaint to God when God called him, he said, I'm just a youth. I'm just a young person. Who's going to listen to me? You know, what do I have to say? I'm just a kid, you know. And so that was his drawback. And we see other young men in the Bible that God used in such powerful ways. God can use the youth. And we as older folks need to recognize that and help them and empower them along the way. Now, uh, see, we need to understand this word in, um, indoctrination because this is what the culture is trying to do to our youth, indoctrinate them into the ways of the world. And so this we see is a parallel of what was happening in the day in the nation of Babylon. And the spirit of Babylon is still here today. It's the culture of the world. It's secular humanism. It's those things that draw people away from coming into contact and having an encounter with the God of creation. And so we see in Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, Then the king commanded Aspenaz. That's an interesting name. I wouldn't call my children that name, and hopefully you won't either. Um, his chief, Enoch. 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 You say that Enoch or Eunuch? Eunuch. Okay. We'll, we'll go with Eunuch. All right? <laughs> Don't you love reading the Bible? That's why I like the audio Bible, because it tells it like it really is. When I listen to the audio Bible, I say, boy, I've been mispronouncing words for years, okay? <laughs> anyway, his chief eunuch to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and out 
of the nobility. Verse 4, youths. See, even the foreign culture that they recognize, we got to get a hold of the youth. The world is trying to get a hold of the youth. We have to get, because that's the future, right? And it goes on to say, um, verse 4, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful on all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Now you might say, oh, maybe I don't qualify in that list. Uh, but yet, you do. I believe that this culture is after the youth. And it doesn't really matter if you qualify or not, they're after you. Uh, but yet we see here that they were indoctrinated in the way of the Chaldeans, in the way of the world. And Daniel was among one of the youth that was chosen. Him and his uh, uh, three other companions were chosen to be part of those that were selected to be trained and taught in the way of the Chaldeans. And so uh, now Daniel in verse 17 of chapter 1. It reads this, it says, and for these, as for these four youth, youths, youths. Okay, that's interesting. That's right. That's what the Bible says. It's youths. Everybody say youths. <laughs> that's goofy. For me, to say, okay. God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding and vision and all visions and dreams. So God was doing something in the midst of this. They were receiving this indoctrination, but yet God was involved because they didn't turn away from God. They were conscious. They were aware of their roots, and they didn't depart from their roots. See, the outcome of this is that they became 10 times smarter than all of their counterparts. See, you don't underestimate the ability that youth have that are on fire for God. See, these four youth were on fire for God. And so they actually excelled 10 times beyond the counterparts that were in part of this uh, special training that was being offered to these young people. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 20, it says, And in the matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. So this was the cream of the crop. This was like, oh, these are the best. But why? Because God was in their lives. And, and, and so what we see and we want to, there's much that we could say, there's much that we we could share about this. And we're going to learn more about these four kids as we go along this month. But I want to share with you uh, three things that Daniel purposed in his heart to do. That I believe are keys that made him great, that made him successful, that allowed him to make an impact in his culture in his generation. And see, Daniel did something in his generation that God wants us to do in ours. He wants us to serve his purpose. Because if we serve his purpose for this generation, we'll make an impact. We'll make a difference. We'll make a change. 
And God is looking for those that he can use. And we shared a few weeks ago how the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro throughout the earth to strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. When you give your heart completely to God, he will most definitely use you in a powerful and a mighty way. Okay? So Daniel purposed in his heart to, number one, to remain faithful to the Lord. To remain faithful to the Lord. Now, that might seem basic. That might seem simple. But the question I have is, will you? Will you remain faithful to the Lord? See, my, and I want to tell you a little bit about my journey as a youth, as a young person, because uh, I had a couple of encounters. I, I actually, when I was 12 years old, we went to a movie at the Fox Theater in Stevens Point. That's when it was still in operation, so that really dates me. Now they're trying to fix it up and, and, and use it, uh, you know, to be able to reach out to the community. But I can remember going to the theater, sitting down, and there was a Billy Graham movie. And uh, at the end of the movie, there was an invitation given to those that wanted to commit their hearts to Christ. And I walked up in the front of that theater because I I thought, I need to give my heart to Jesus. And when I stood there, uh, a counselor came up to me and and prayed with me and gave me some literature. And and that week, he did a follow-up call. And he gave me this little booklet. It was the book of John. And I started reading that. And so at the age of 12, it's like I went forward, but I didn't fully connect. Okay? Because I knew I needed to do it. It really wasn't until the age of 17 when my older brother Mike had come home. He had joined the Air Force. And he came home on leave. And the guy has a Bible in his hand. And he's preaching to his whole family. And my first thought is, what did the Air Force do to him? <laughs> he's talking about Jesus, he's talking about God, like he says, like he knows the guy? What's with this? But what had happened is, my brother had an encounter uh, when he went to the service. Somebody shared the gospel with him, he gave his heart to Christ, and God connected him with some believers uh, in the Air Force. And so he started reading his Bible and, and sharing things, and, and so... He sat down with me one night, and he played a cassette tape. Now, some of you don't even know what that is. A cassette tape called The Vision uh, by David Wilkerson. And it was talking about end times, it was talking about the end of the world. And I tell you, by the end of that tape, I was literally shaking. I was terrified. And so my brother said, do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior so you don't have to die and go to hell? I said, absolutely. <laughs> you know, some are one, but the Bible says, by the terror of the Lord. And I mean, I was so afraid. I said, I, I, I don't want to go to hell. And so he prayed with me. And that night, when I prayed to receive and accept Jesus, the Lord of my life, there was something that transpired in my heart. I felt the peace I had never felt before. I felt a presence that I had never felt before. And I knew, I knew that something had changed inside of me. I literally remember the next morning I woke up, it seemed like the, the sky was bluer and, and there was just something different. And, and I could not shut up. I was saying, Jesus, I love you. Thank you, God. I mean, I was so excited. I was so exuberant. And my mom, I can remember she saying, settle down. What's wrong with you? I said, you don't know what happened last night. You need to talk to Mike. 
You know, because <laughs> I don't know how to explain what I just experienced, but I knew God had done something in my life. And that really began my journey with God. And there's a period of time I, I didn't really get into the Word, but then I started reading my Bible. And that's when I started to grow. And that's when I began to make serious decisions and commitments of how I was going to live my life. I determined that I'm going to live for God. I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to live for the world. And at that time, I didn't know what I would do. I wanted to be an architect. I even had a scholarship and I was going to go to school and get all that training. But God had another plan. I never saw myself as a preacher. I never saw myself as standing before people telling about Jesus. But God had a plan. And when I decided to follow Jesus and serve him with a commitment that I wasn't going to turn back from, my life changed. See, I think sometimes people serve Jesus out of convenience, so they're not totally committed. And that's why they're not fulfilled in life. Because without total commitment, there will never be total fulfillment. See, Jesus doesn't want a half-hearted commitment from you. He can't work with that. He can only work with those that are totally committed to him and given over to him, subject to him. Where we say, Lord, I submit my life to you as my Lord, my Savior. Make my life what you want it to be. See, my choices are limited now because they're in the hand of God. There's some things I can't do because if it's not in his will, it's not in his plan. Oh, yeah, I have a free choice. I have a free will. But I choose to follow his will. I choose to do what he wants to do. And and that has taken me on a journey that I have not regretted one minute uh, since I made that commitment. So faithfulness to God does not occur by accident or by a flippant decision. Commitment to God is decisive. It's a quality decision you make with a determination. See, uh, Daniel determined that he was going to live for God no matter what, even if it cost him his life. He made that decision, and there was no turning back from it. In in chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, we see this here. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Notice verse 9. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. So God gave him favor so he could live out his commitment to Christ. And and really, it was God back then, but they were living with the hope of Messiah to come. Okay, So, uh, in Daniel, actually, in Psalms 71, verse 5, I want to share that with you. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. From my youth, you are my hope and my trust. Let it be that we can all say that when some of you get to my age, that you can declare that scripture and that it's real for you as it's real to me. In 2 Timothy, here's a charge to young people today. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So this is the charge. We need to flee those youthful passions. We need to run away from that junk and follow after God. Amen. And see, that, that's not going to make you the most popular. 
You're going to get a little persecution along the way. But following God and serving God is worth it. You'll never regret having given your heart over to him. The second thing that Daniel purposed in his heart to do is to stand up for what he believed. And we're going to see how this plays out later uh, this month in the lion's den and that kind of thing. But Daniel and his friends did not bow to the culture of the day, to some of the things that they were participating in. They just exempted themselves. They didn't participate. And maybe they said, oh, what's wrong with you? Are you too good for us? Why won't you drink the king's wine? Why don't you, all this stuff is available. Why don't you defile yourself with the rest of us? They refused. And I believe these four youth were probably very tight. They were very committed to each other. Because even when Daniel was given an appointment, he brought these other three along with him. So they served with him. See, we can't forget those that have been loyal and faithful and committed to us. You know, when you get promoted, don't forget the people that were with you when you were in that place of demotion or that place where you were just struggling to get by. You know, let's remember me when you come into the kingdom, you know, kind of thing. Don't, don't forget about those that helped you get there, okay? So, um, see, we're raising a generation, and I want to address this for a moment here. We're raising a generation that want to love people without giving them the truth. We have a generation of Christians that sacrifice truth for the sake of love. We love people without giving them the truth, and that's a problem. Because if you really love somebody, you're going to share the truth with them because the truth is the only thing that can change their life. Because otherwise they're going to live their life according to the lie. And I, I believe, and I, I don't like to see how this scenario is going to play out, but there's going to be those that will say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me you knew the answer? You could have shared Jesus with me, but you didn't. Oh, you were kind to me. You were good to me. But you never told me the truth. See, sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes the truth confronts us in areas where we're going the wrong direction. Sometimes truth will bring rebuke and correction in our life. And we need to hear the truth. See, I I don't want just a message that's going to always make me feel good. I need a message that's going to challenge me at the core of my heart. See, I'm a person, I, I love conviction because conviction arrests me and makes me realize where I'm going wrong so I can make decisions to get on the right path. Because I don't want to go on the wrong path. Life is too short and eternity is too long to go on the wrong path. Right? The third thing that Daniel purposed in his heart, we could spend more time on each of these, but the third thing that Daniel purposed in his heart and, and, and before I share this, I want to share the second one one more time. Stand up for what you believe. Daniel purposed in his heart to stand up for what he believed. Will you? Will you stand up for what you believe? All right, now let's go to the third one. Daniel purposed in his heart to make a difference where he was at. Will you? See, Daniel was not in the most ideal of situations or circumstances. I'm sure he was homesick. I'm sure he longed to be with the rest of his family or back at home, not in this foreign country where he couldn't even speak the language. 
And sometimes you might think, well, I'm just a youth, if you're a youth. But you can make a difference where you're at. You might say, well, what can I do? I'm just a young person. I don't have a lot of authority. I don't have a lot of influence. But you can make a difference where you're at by living for God, by doing what's right. Even if you change one life, even if you make an impression on one person, you're doing something that's going to advance the kingdom of God and his purpose. As I said, David was a youth when he defeated Goliath. And 1 Timothy 4.12, this is important for us adults to understand as well, all the people. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. In other words, as a young person, you can be an example for the rest of us. See, the reason people despise youth is because how they live, because of how they act. But as youth, young people can be an example. And that's our challenge for our young people. And we're, we're so thankful for David Wallow. Uh, and we thank you. For, we're thankful for the young people that are being raised up and trained and empowered in this place through refuge. So. Let's look at that scripture one more time. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech. How are you talking? In your conduct, how are you acting in love? How do you express love? Are you critical all the time? In faith, are you believing God for breakthrough? Are you believing God for others? In purity, are you living pure? Yeah, that's a challenge for young people because there's so many temptations out there. But you can live pure. You can live holy. You can live righteous before God. Now, in Psalms 144, verse 12, this is what I believe we need to declare over the youth of of, of our nation, the youth of our church, our sons and our daughters. Psalms 144, 12, it says, May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown. In other words, they can display maturity even when they're young. Our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace to raise up godly young people that will make a difference in this culture, that will change this world. See, Daniel, he did something that allowed a door to be opened that gave him influence. In the, in the second chapter, he interprets the king's dream. Chapter 2, verse 30, the scripture says here, and we need to see this and consider this this morning. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. In other words, this king had this dream, and he didn't know how to interpret it. We won't go into the dream this morning. But the fact is, Daniel didn't think he was better than anyone. But he knew that he was living for a greater purpose. And he was going to make a difference where he was at, even if it was to interpret a dream. And he had no idea that interpreting that dream, seeking God and getting the interpretation of that dream 
would open up a door for him to have influence in a kingdom. But it did. Because he was set over all the wise men, all the magicians of that nation. At that time, Babylon, that was the world ruler, the empire of the world. And here's this young man, Daniel, that's having a voice to speak into the culture, to change it. And he impacted kings. King Nebuchadnezzar actually became a believer because he had a Daniel that was serving in his kingdom. Now, something you're going to be hearing me share and repeat probably several times this year, and hopefully you won't get sick of it, but I want you to get it. And that is, we are going after God's presence and his power. We need his presence and we need his power for him to demonstrate his power in the earth. Because the only thing that can really reach an intellectual is a miracle when they see the power of God in action. The only thing that can change a religious person is to experience the presence of God, to get in his presence. I've been in services here recently and I've actually heard people say, he's here, his presence is here. As we're worshiping God, as we're singing these choruses and songs, God shows up. His presence comes. There's nothing better than His presence. His presence can take anxiety and just send it out the door. It can take distress and cause comfort and strength to flood your heart. His presence is so important. And so I want to challenge you as a congregation to determine not to quench or grieve the Holy Spirit in 2017 and beyond. Because it's the Holy Spirit that brings his presence and displays his power. So we must be willing to address areas in our life where we're found guilty of quenching the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit. We're not to grieve the Spirit either. Ephesians 4.30, it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now we understand this, that quench, when we quench the Holy Spirit, that has to do with limiting his power. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, that's when we're not walking according to right character. It's character issues. You can't choose one over the other because to quench limits his power, to grieve affects his presence. We don't want to do neither because we want his presence and we want his power. Amen? Are you with me on that? We want to see purity and power. We want to see people walk in purity and holiness so they can see the display of God's power. As we bring the service to conclusion, I want to extend an invitation because maybe you've come today and as you look at your life, as you examine yourself where you're at right now spiritually, maybe there's something lacking in your life in the way of commitment to Jesus Christ. You see, I... I examine my commitment. I look at that every day because it's easy to get in, you know, strife. It's easy to get in 
things that can quickly take you away from the course that God has for you. So if you're here today and you know that your life is not right with God, you know that something has to change. And that something that has to change is initiated by you making a decision and a commitment to say, Jesus, I want to give my heart to you. I want to give my life to you. And it's understanding that Jesus came into this world to do something very significant that affects you personally. And that was to live his life and to die on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, to die in your place to bear the penalty and the judgment that you were supposed to get. He paid the price for you so you could be forgiven, so you could spend eternity with his father. And so if you're here today and you know that if you were to die today, that your life is not right with God, you would probably go straight to hell. Or maybe you don't know. And if there's a question there, you can know. You can have that assurance that your life is right with God. I want you to bow your heads. And as you bow your head, I wanted to share this because I, I heard this recently. It was a commencement speaker at a graduation. He gets up to the podium, and the first thing he cries out is, You're all going to die! Oh, great speaker. Okay, can you imagine? But then he said, Yeah, you're going to die one day. Will you leave a title, or will you leave a testimony? See? Because we're going to all live, and we're going to all die. We're going to leave either a legacy or we're going to leave just a footprint. King Ahab in the Bible had a title, but Elisha, the prophet, had a testimony. Goliath, the giant, had a title, but David had a testimony. King Herod had a title, but Jesus had a testimony. What do you want? A title or a testimony? The testimony is that you've lived your life to serve the purpose of God. And if you're here today and you've never made a commitment to pledge your life to Jesus Christ, I'm inviting you to lift your hand right now to say, Pastor, I'm willing to give my heart to Jesus. I'm willing to accept him as my Lord and as my Savior to receive forgiveness of sins, to be free from guilt to be free from sin's penalty. If that's you, lift your hand. Making a commitment to Jesus Christ as the, as the Lord of your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray this prayer together because I know there's some of you that are at that place right now that you need to invite Jesus into your heart to be the Lord of your life. And the thing that's holding you back is something that is so dumb and so stupid. Is there any reason why you wouldn't want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? There's no reason. You have so much to gain and really nothing to lose. Oh, yeah, you lose all the guilt, you lose all the junk, you lose the hatred, you lose the anger, you lose all that stuff. 
but you gain his love, you gain his forgiveness, you gain his peace, you gain his joy. And we're not doing this for what we can gain, we're doing this because of who he is. Repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in this brand new year to give my heart to you. Lord Jesus, I believe you came into this world to die on this cross for my sins. And you rose from the dead to give me new life. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I put my faith in you. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your life. Fill me with your peace. Fill me with your joy. Forgive me, Jesus. I'm sorry for my sins. Make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, we make this commitment based upon the word of God. For you said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You said if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we would be saved. Father, we declare that Jesus is the Lord of our life. And Father, we are committed to serve his purpose, to follow him just as Daniel did. He made that resolve. He purposed in his heart that he was going to serve you. He purposed in his heart that he was going to remain faithful to you, that he was going to stand up for what he believed, that he was going to make a difference where he was at. And Father, that's our desire today. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. I want to thank you so much for your response this morning, your receptivity and attentiveness to the word. In a few minutes, we're going to have a prayer team up here, and they're going to be available to pray with anyone that needs prayer. And if you responded in that altar call, that prayer we just prayed to receive Jesus and make a commitment to him. And that's the first time you prayed that prayer, a prayer team will be available to pray with you. And we have some information we want to give you, some literature. But we're so thankful for, for what God is doing in your life. And I'm so glad that you were able to be with us today. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.